the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If this is the first time you heard the show, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, if you've heard the show before, we know we're in a, a couple of different parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets, usually from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally. And believe me, if you come in and talk to me, I am trying to cut the tax bill. I do not want money going to the government. Avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Um, then usually we talk about politics, history, religion, and we're going to be talking a little bit about religion, and we're going to be talking to one of our old friends, Elise Lobianco, spouse of Tony Lobianco, who was in the French Connection, and has been on the show numerous times talking about politics and his films and things like that. But with her, we're going to talk about her personal testimony on our road to her faith. Now, Beth, do we have any questions or something we want to talk about? Oh, my what goodness. About, okay, you brought this up earlier. What about when you're selling your house and doing the tax return on the house? Yeah. The sale of the house. What and, do you do? And, and actually, that, that is a good question. And one of the things that I've found over the years is that a lot of people do not understand what's called the stepped-up basis. And what the stepped-up basis is, let's say you own... You die owning a piece of real estate. Now, it could be stocks or whatever, but I'm going to use real estate for examples. So let's say you paid $100,000 for your house 30 years ago, and it's worth uh, $2 million on the day you pass away. Um, if your children inherit the house by reason of your death, then they get what's called a stepped-up basis, and the house steps up from $100,000 to $2 million. And if they sell the house at that point, for $2 million. They pay no capital gain. Now, it can also work in parts. Let's say you have a husband and wife. Husband dies. Same fact pattern paid, you know, 50000 100000 for the house 30 years ago. It's worth, let's say, $2 million on the day he passes away. 
if the wife sells the house, she gets the stepped-up basis on his half up to a million dollars, let's say, if it was worth two million. Now, there are also some glitches in the law that if you bought the house before 1977, a married couple, and if you bought the house before 1977, and the spouse, one spouse didn't work, let's say it was fairly common in the 70s, let's say you had a husband and wife, and the wife wasn't working, the husband bought the house, like I said, it's kind of a glitch in the in, in the law, but let's say the husband died, you can get the stepped-up basis for the entire property, because prior to 1977, the IRS was taking the position between husband and wife, that if the husband died, he was the breadwinner, and the house should be taxable to his estate. And the wife, in some cases, may have had to pay an estate tax. Well, the laws changed later, and then there was no estate tax between husband and wife, but the IRS was still stuck on that position. So if a house was bought before 1977, married couple, and the spouse, you know, the wife in this case did not work, then you get a stepped-up basis for the entire half. Now, do I expect you to remember that? No. But what you can remember if you want to, if you sell your house and you got a question about what you have to pay in taxes or not pay the taxes, um, give us a call. We have two, piece, two CPAs on staff and you know some other accountants. And, of course, I'm admitted to tax court. You can come in and we can talk it over. And I'll give you advice, and we're going to try to lower that tax bill if you sold your house, and we're doing the return, you know, the next year. But a lot of people overlook, you know, the rules. And one of the rules that are overlooked, let's say if you have your house in a trust, if you have a house in a trust, and if you have a house in a trust that we prepared, then 99.99% that trust, you're going to get the stepped-up basis when a family member dies. Now, there could be exceptions to rules. Somebody who's got $20, $30 million and we're making gifts, maybe you won't get the stepped-up basis. But 90, 99.9% of the trusts we do, the family gets the stepped-up basis, which means if your parents paid $50,000 for the house and it was worth a million dollars on, fam, uh, let's say, mom's date of death, you sell the house for a million dollars, you pay no capital gains tax. And another point that's often overlooked, you can also depreciate the house. So let's say you keep the house. Say, I'm not selling it. I don't need the stepped-up basis. Well, let's say the house is worth a million dollars when you pass away. Then roughly, and I'm using even numbers right now, the first $25,000 of rents is not taxed on the income for almost 40 years, 39 years. So if you have any questions about the taxes, selling your house, stepped-up basis, Yes, it can be confusing if you don't know the rules, but if you want to give us a call at Connors & Sullivan, give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be listening to Elise Lobianco. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. 
Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me. Me, Mike Connors. We're going to start our Connors Corner segment uh, of the show. Our next guest is Elise Lobianco, and I happen to be in Florida right now, so we're doing this long distance. But, Michael, can you tell us something about Elise? Elise Lobianco is, first off, a good friend of ours, but also she's the author of the book Meditations from Your Abba Father, a daily devotional of her encounters with God. In 2013, she married actor Lo- Tony Lobianco. They divide their time between New York, Maryland, and Florida. Elise also manages her horse farm, as well as her husband Tony's schedule and appearances. Together they produce the video Just a Common Soldier, and now are executive co-producers on a film entitled The Shroud Codex. And for those of our listeners who are, you know, consistent, um, you may remember Tony from several radio appearances here, so yeah. Um, welcome, Elise. We're so glad to have you on. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I am also not in the city right now, down in sunny sunny Florida. <laughs> Maybe we should have gotten in between and called. But Elise, you know, one thing I, I think we should start off with, Abba. What is the meaning of the word Abba? Uh, it means... It's, it's, it's basically daddy or father. The Jesus used it in the Bible. Paul used it in the Bible in reference to God the Father. And it's just a very personal, loving way to talk to their father. Yeah, you named your book that. Of course, it's what you know Jesus calls his, his father. But uh, no, I, because a lot of people, I don't think, appreciate the meaning of the word, the true meaning of the word. Right, right. But... So I, I like to share my testimony because it in, encourages other people that um, they'll Good. realize that God's desire is to bring them in an awareness of his presence and, and of his personal love for them. Um, and when I'm talking, I'd also like to read some passages of wisdom from the book God gave me and has made my whole ministry meditations from your Abba Father that we were just talking about, basically very personal daddy, father. Part of his plan for me was going through a seven-year desert that led me to learn to listen to him so that the book could be written and could reach people with an intimate knowledge of his love. Uh, I can start with reading August 21st. Come deep with me, my love. Walk with me 
through gardens of time. Sense me. Feel me. I am all around you. Learn to draw me into yourself so that there I may abide with you through all of life's challenges. The joy you will find is incomparable. Come walk with me, beloved. Deeply, earnestly, my presence. You will find me. A storehouse of love and joy awaits. I, I learned beloved all of it in a very different way. I was born in California in a home for unwed mothers to a 19-year-old girl. I lived in foster care until I was three. Then I went to live with my grandfather and his wife and two children. I called them mom, dad, brother, and sister. I don't remember a lot about that time when I was so young, but I remember waking up many nights covered in throw-up and being put in a bathtub by my step-grandmother, who was not very patient. And when I was 10, my, my grandfather, dying of cancer, left that family and took me to live with him with my real mother and my grandmother. My, my mother hated her father and was very distant to me. About six months later, my grandfather died. And on the outside, I was a hardened little toe-headed girl. But inside, I was full of longing to feel loved and held. And I would kneel at my bedroom window, and I'd look up at the stars, and I'd beg God to come down and hold me. Just hold me. And please let me have a horse. <laughs> and God, God didn't forget. I loved horses. Two years later, my mother married again. This little girl who only wanted to be loved had a very tough skin on, and I caused all kinds of problems in their new marriage. So a year later, I was sent back to the earlier family I'd lived with, looking for that mom who would hold me and love me, but finding unhappiness there, too. I returned to my mother and stepfather. All I wanted was to find my earthly father, because surely he didn't know where I was, and if he did know, he would come and love me. But whenever I asked my mother about him, she grew very angry. And when I told her that I had saved my quarters in, in a public payphone, if anybody remembers public payphones, had called Department of Motor Vehicles and Social Security offices around the country looking for anyone by my father's name, she laughed, laughed and, and told me that the name on my birth certificate had been made up. I was horrified to learn that I didn't even have that connection. But still, looking for her love and acceptance, I didn't say anything, and I just was silent. Several more very messed up years went by. When I was 15 years old, I went to visit Yosemite with the family I'd lived with earlier. At the base of the magnificent El Capitan Mountain, someone read John 3.16 to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's hard to describe how that real simple verse that we've all heard over and over touched me. But the Holy Spirit swept into my hungry soul, and I felt personally loved for the first time by God. I was his daughter. I accepted him into my life right then. In October 3, from the book, Remember the joy when you first realized my love for you? You were so excited. You had longed to be truly loved, and you felt it for the first time. I had to wait until just the right moment to reveal it to you, as you wouldn't have understood it before. 
but now you understand a little, and I will be revealing more and more to you as we grow together. Come and walk with me. Hold my hand and let me guide you through the day, protecting you and caring for you. The road is glorious ahead. Every step you take with me will prepare you for it. I wanted to live with the family that had brought me to Christ, and I was granted that wish. But after a year, that mom put her daughter and I in a travel trailer by ourselves within walking distance from the school so she could move somewhere else for a job. After my junior year, I was sent to a boarding school, which I loved. When I graduated high school, I had attended 13 schools. I was so anxious to find security and love in a family of my own. And in my freshman college year, I met a, a Christian student, and we got married just one month after my 19th birthday. And I had my two precious children, Lana and Tristan. But their father and I started having problems after the birth of our second child. We were just so young and didn't seek the counseling we needed. He started medical school and he didn't have the time or energy to solve whatever problems we were having. My mother said if I would leave my Christian husband and Christian community and get a divorce, the children and I could come back to California and live with her. And that was a huge step for her. And still seeking my mother's love and approval, we did just that. But as a single woman living in Southern California, I slowly started slipping away from the Lord's love and guidance in dating and in my professional career. It was an interesting time at my mother's home. She had had two sons, my half-brothers. Our children were all three years apart. Mine were three and six, and hers were nine and 12. And despite the fact that my children were going through the pain of losing their father, we really enjoyed our stay there. I got to know my mother as a friend as we raised our children together for that year before finding our own apartment. And she was proud of the political career path that I had taken as a profession. Again, I knew I I could never ask her who my father was because she had the ability to cut people out of her life, and I knew I could be the next one. Eventually, when Lon and Tristan were 9 and 12, we moved back east so I could work in the Reagan and Bush administration. But after 11 years of being single, I married my husband, Joe, and slowly the Holy Spirit got through again. This time it was not a Yosemite revelation moment. It was a gradual warmth to the relationship with my father, my Abba. He had never left me, but for years I had been ignoring him. My daughter, Lana, kept encouraging me to try a church that she had found, and when I went, It seemed like home. I started Bible studies there and and experiencing true growth in the Lord. My mother had been suffering from ovarian cancer for quite a while, and and the pain and perhaps the reality of her impending death made her even more contentious. After an argument, what I feared would happen did. She cut me in the few photographs of me she could find out of her life. After a year and permanently empty photograph albums, we reconciled. Later, when her cancer had progressed and they started hospice in their home, my stepfather asked if I'd be able to come and help with her passing. For many reasons, I wanted to do that. Selfishly, I knew that she would be incredibly vulnerable then and that she might answer the question 
that at one time defined my whole life. Who is my father? Surely she would not go to her death with that knowledge. But my mother didn't know God. She had always been happy that I knew him because she said I was weak and weak people needed help. So I made what was for me a monumental decision. I would not ask her who my father was. I would just show her that I loved her. I prayed, Lord, you are my father. I give all my questions to you, but please someday let me know who my father is. Help my mother to know I love her and show her your love, Lord. So when I asked tonight if I could pray with her, she didn't laugh at me or mock me. She answered, yes. She herself had finally become weak. <laughs> Years later, in preparation for my ministry, I went through some prayer therapy. In it, I was asked to recall a painful moment I had had as a child. I remembered one argument I had with my mother when I was about 12. And when I was asked to envision where Jesus was and what he was doing when this was happening, I closed my eyes and I saw him holding me under his left arm as I sobbed. Then I was wisely asked where my mother was. And then I saw my mother sobbing under Jesus' other arm. I being so blind. My mother was normal and loving to my half-brothers. Why had she never felt free to touch or hold me? Towards the end of her life, I'd gone with her to an oncologist, and when he asked how many births she had had, she said that she had had three births and three abortions. And oh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Why was I the one who was allowed to be born? What had she gone through as a young girl? Is that why she didn't want me and only took me when I was 10 years old because her father was dying and couldn't keep me? Is that why she didn't touch me? Sometimes we're so blinded by our own perceived woes that we can't see the pain others are suffering or have suffered that caused them to act the way they do. I read from January 12th. Lasso your thoughts. Bring them in. Do not wander over past evil and pain in your life. Yes, you have sinned and others have sinned against you. But do not let these thoughts permeate your being. You have been saved, cleansed, and washed by the blood of Jesus. He alone was able to give you this gift by the terrible sacrifice on the cross. Embrace it in every way. Move forwards, not backwards. Your past life is your testimony to help others, not the years that mark your life. It's the story of how Christ has triumphed in you. It is the story bringing you to joy and salvation. Let love overflow from your veins as you minister to others who have caused you past pain. It is over and done because you've left it at the cross and your life is fresh and new in me every day. Only those who walk with me will understand. They, like you, have experienced love that knows no regret, no past scars, only the pure testimony of lives transformed. Uh, you know, Elise, I think we need to take a short break. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors, hearing Elise Lobianco's testimony. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. 
Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Amelia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. We've been talking to Elise Lobianco about her testimony. I'm sorry to interrupt, Elise, but where were we? Well, I was just about ready to talk about uh, my husband, Joe. Uh, My husband, Joe, and I got married in 1993. He had had prostate cancer and had gone through treatment to remove it. Fifteen years later, it caught up with him, and in 2008, he died. Although expected for the last five years of his life, it was, as you can imagine, a very painful time. And tragically, my stepdad, who I'd finally really gotten to know and love after my mother died, ended up dying the very next day also of cancer. It was a very difficult time for our family who were spread between Maryland and California. As you can imagine, I want to read this segment from January 3 from the Meditations from your Abba Father book. I've not made life easy for you. If I love you so much, why haven't I? Isn't love about making life happy for someone? I want you to come to understand that happiness is not avoiding pain. It is in the joy that I have given your soul when you trust me through anything and everything. Sometimes things are so painful you don't think you can bear them any longer. That's when I need you to hang on tightly to me because I'm even closer than before. When you falter, I will be there to pick you up. One day I will be able to pick you up in my arms and carry you to the place I have prepared for you. There you will know only pure joy. No more sadness or pain. Total, unadulterated joy. Let me bear your pain, beloved one, because I feel it deeper than you. You are not alone in this. Let me wipe your tears on my shoulder. Count on the joy to get you through. One day you'll know it openly. It was always there. My husband and I just built a mountain lodge on our horse farm in Maryland, and we moved in just three months before he passed. Because of his extended illness, we were in heavy debt, and I knew I had to hit the ground running just to try to save the farm. My daughter Lana was living in another house on the farm, and together we decided to turn the mountain lodge into a retreat for women who had suffered loss and hardship. We were familiar with that. We taught them about a healthy diet, exercise, and a closer walk with God. After months of training, we opened Briley Hill Retreat 
it was a program that helped women, but because of county regulations in our area, we were not able to advertise and we couldn't succeed financially. If someone was able to pay, we would immediately invite others who could not afford to. It not not good business sense, but it made perfect Christian sense, right? <laughs> I was in real danger, danger losing the house, the horse boarding operation, and the retreat. I couldn't make my mortgage or the annual tax payments. With the bank breathing down my back, I tried to sell it, but no one would buy it. Both my son and my son-in-law stepped up to help me as much as they could. Several times I gathered the tenants and horse boarders on the farm together to pray that God would bless the farm and that we wouldn't lose it. I felt so depressed, scared, and lonely. I had no idea what to do. I remember the feeling of wanting to wake up and be somebody else, anybody else. March 31st from the book. I want to tell you something, dear one. My love for you stretches far beyond the boundaries of what you can understand. It is all you will ever need in your entire life. You don't need money, possessions, or even a close one when you learn how to rely on me. The loneliness you feel will melt away the deeper you allow our relationship to grow. I know when you suffer loneliness, and it hurts me. I want you to have loved ones in your life, and a special loved one to spend time with, but this may not be the right time. I want to reach out and hold you to my chest until the suffering stops, but I can only come as close as you let me. The peace and love I offer will ease your loneliness, and you will enjoy spending more and more time with me. Come and sit at my feet and let me tell you a story. It's all about him and me and you. I spent a lot of time journaling my fervent prayers to God, and he started answering by sharing beautiful words of encouragement and spiritual insight, like I just read from the book. Sometimes it was just one word at a time, and at other times, whole sentences tumbled out. I wrote these meditations down and eventually started emailing them to my friends because they were full of so much love. They were also touched, and they shared them with their contacts. Remarkably, I would get reports of them being emailed all over the world. I realized that God had something intended for these messages, so with the help of a Christian publisher, I turned those 365 messages into the daily devotional, Meditations from Your Abba Father. The first question from a reader to me is, how did God know what was going on with me in my house that day? How did he know how I was feeling? He was speaking directly to me. God has used these messages, which I thought were just to me, to encourage newscasters, moms, dads, leaders of corporations, and so many others. And I've heard stories of some requesting on their deathbed. One woman in this church came up to me and, and said that it had saved her daughter's life. Who could begin to comprehend how God uses each of us? I'm so humbled that he has chosen me for this particular ministry of sharing his love and encouragement. I've said over and over that it's not until we get to heaven that each of us will get to understand how just by living our daily lives, we've helped others. Even unbelieving people who we think seem to have it all lie in bed in the middle of the night and wonder about eternity. What's gonna happen when I die? What's on the other side? Is there really a God who loves them personally? And to be honest, I still wondered that as well. How can I, 
the child of, let's say, at least unfortunate circumstances who was never supposed to be here. How could I really say that God wanted me, planned me, or chose me? Even though I felt close to him, those insecure thoughts swirled through my head a lot. And then he shared these words with me, June 27, from the book. Do you ever wonder where I really am? Being omnipresent, I'm everywhere. The only thing I want you to understand about that is that I'm always with you, my chosen child. Does it bother you that I say you're chosen? Since before the creation of the world, I knew of you and I chose you to be my own. No matter your background, or even if your mother or father made you feel unloved or unwanted, I planned you, I made you. I chose you to be mine, to walk with me, to be my beloved child. Yes, you will fall. And no, you will never, ever be deserving. But it doesn't matter because Christ paid the cost for our relationship. So come close, dear chosen one. You are dearly loved. Could not have paid for you with anything more precious to me than my dear son, Jesus Christ. And God has given us the most remarkable book in the Bible. The more time I spend in it, the more I learn about how to live my life. And to realize that through its pages, God is educating us how to step forward in faith and how to be spiritual warriors for him. He uses every single thing we've ever gone through in our entire lives. The pain and loneliness of childhood, wrong decisions that were made, or any tragedy. He's able to turn all of these things in our lives into good. He promises us that in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We go stronger through adversity. We go stronger through pain. We've grown stronger in preparation to fight the evil that's all around us this very day, especially in these times. And God has given us the Bible as a lesson guide to teach us these things. We're able to use it and claim it and fight for the principles in it. Let me tell you a story about my little miracle born in February, but named August. My daughter-in-law, April, born in August, (laughs) had my first grandson, Tennyson, but then two years later tried but was unable to get pregnant again. After a year, she finally got pregnant, and the happy announcement was proclaimed at Christmas time as a gift. When they went back home, she miscarried. April kept trying unsuccessfully to get pregnant again for a year. Towards the end of that year, I went to Israel and visited Shiloh, which at the time of my visit in 2012 was still just an empty field, but where the glory of the Lord was once in the temple and where Hannah had prayed to God that she might finally bear a child. God granted her prayer, and she had baby Samuel. When I was at Shiloh, I prayed that God would hear our prayers and that April and my son Tristan would be able to have another child. I brought back two rocks from there, probably illegally, as a memorial of that prayer, one for me and one for her. Within a few months, April got pregnant. And we all praise God for the answered prayer from Shiloh. A few months into her pregnancy, my son called frantically to ask for prayers. April was bleeding heavily, and it seemed like she was having another miscarriage. 
I got on my knees and I cried with the Lord that he would not let his answer to my prayer at Shiloh die. I randomly opened my Bible and my eyes immediately fell on this unmarked passage in Jeremiah 33, 6. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I immediately texted my son that God had told me that he would bring health and healing to this baby. I had no idea how that would happen, but that God had told me that and we had to trust him. Justin called back later that evening to say that God, the doctor, was able to stop the bleeding and find the baby's heartbeat. We were all so thankful. But two weeks later, I got another frantic call from Tristan. Mom, please pray again. April is hemorrhaging badly. This time, I didn't get on my knees. I paced through the house demanding, God, you gave me that verse in the Bible. If that verse is not true, you're not really talking to me. You promised me with that verse that this baby would be fine. And I believed you. A few hours later, Tristan called to say that the hospital was again able to stop the bleeding and that April was still pregnant. The doctor had no idea what had happened, but miraculously, there was a healthy heart still beating in there. Six months later, our little toe-headed August was born in February. Oh, God answers prayer. God surrounds us with his presence, with his Holy Spirit. He's waiting for you to sense it and to hear it. So listen to move forward with his plan for your life. He yearns for you to come into an Abba Father relationship with him. You may now be going through your desert, like I was, or maybe you're moving ahead successfully in your life. The most important question is, are you hearing the Lord's voice? Are you listening? Is he your own personal Abba? He's heard in the still small hours, in your time set aside with him, with no earthly distractions, no phone, which is my problem, or no internet distractions, just you, just him, just your Bible, your journal, and your prayers. Close your eyes. Learn to listen. Sit and wait until your presence of the Lord settle over you because you will. I've had tell me, people tell me they take drugs to find that feeling, but we don't need drugs, my friend. We have the Holy Spirit. Go to your quiet place. Wait and pray for the Holy Spirit to settle over you. It's a beautiful wait. In the Passion Translation of the Bible, 2 Corinthians one twenty two says, We know we are His, since He has also stamped His seal of love over our hearts and has given us the Holy Spirit, like an engagement ring is given to a bride, a down payment of the blessings to come. How beautiful. The Holy Spirit is given to us like an engagement ring. I'm going to read from October twenty seven. Come to me no matter what. My love for you exceeds any problems you have. Any feelings of space between us is created in your mind by the evil one. My heart longs to have you close beside me always, no matter what has happened. Remember but that nothing but your choice can ever separate us. It was to a woman that he announced the upcoming birth of Jesus. It was to a woman 
that he uttered the first words after his resurrection and said her name, Mary. I want to read that passage in John chapter 20, verses 11 to 16. Mary arrived back at the tomb, broken and sobbing. She stooped to peer inside, and through her tears, she saw two angels in dazzling white robes, sitting where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the feet. Dear woman, why are you crying, they asked. Mary answered, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Then she turned around to leave, and there was Jesus standing in front of them, but she didn't realize that it was him. He said to her, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary answered, thinking he was only the garden. Sir, if you've taken his body somewhere else, tell me, and I'll go and Mary. Jesus said, the electricity shot through her body when he called out her name. She knew it was him. So I want to encourage people, when, when you go home tonight or in, in the morning during your quiet time, read these verses in John chapter 20, but use your name, use Mary, use Elizabeth, use John or Michael. Let be that, that be the name that Jesus utters because he does. Learn to recognize him calling your name. The more time you spend in quiet moments with him, the more you will realize the incredible personal love story he longs to have with just you. Read January 6th. Is your spirit troubled? Is the pain so intense you want to run and find someone or something to fill the void? You can't, dear one. The pain you are feeling needs to be felt. That needs to be dealt with. You have experienced a loss, and you must not run from its growth. There's a maturity that will come from all of this and a deeper relationship with me. Only you and I together can see you through to the other side. There are no quick fixes. Don't put someone in your life who stands to get hurt while you move through this journey. This is between you and I. Let me hold you up every step helping you through the large and small decisions of your life. One day you'll be glad you took this time to renew your soul. The depth and health you feel will prepare you for the new love I am sending to you when the time is right. You cannot experience true joy with another until you've totally grieved your loss. This time with you and I will be something that you will look back at and cherish, even though you have found happiness again. So come to me, dear one. Only I can understand your pain. Only I know. Come and rest your head on my shoulder. I will be your rock. After years of the farm struggling, the horse sporting operation and the house room turned around on their own until it became a very successful business. But it was that biblical seven-year desert between the death of my husband, Joe, until the marriage of my husband, Tony, I never thought I'd be married to such a beautiful man. What a blessing he is to me. I guess God promised me in one of those quiet insights on New Year's Day. Yeah, I couldn't envision it. I met Tony just weeks after that revelation, but I put him off for many months because I didn't realize that this gift was an actor from New York City, not the pastor, the cowboy that I was expecting. <laughs> but Tony never gave up because he knew he was my gift and that I was his. 
that's another story altogether. Let's just say that God works in mysterious ways when you least expect it. <laughs> God never forgot that little 10-year-old girl crying at the window, feeling so alone, wanting to be loved and held and wanting a horse. My husband gave me the ultimate compliment recently, saying he never knew of anyone who had more people love them. He had no idea how profound that statement was for me. God had blessed me abundantly with a big family who loved me. My husband, my two children, their spouses, my four grandchildren, my dear friends, my two half-brothers who couldn't be closer to me than full brothers, and we all love the Lord. What a gift that is. And my husband has a large family to love and be loved by. I am truly blessed. And by the way, about 70 horses run on my property. <laughs> I started when I think of my seven years in the desert. You know, I, I wouldn't trade them for all the world because during that time, that horrible bottom of the earth time, I learned to trust God, to really know him and his great love and longing for his chosen ones. I learned to grow and to stand on my own as his spirit warrior, his own beloved child who he created and loved that he would never let go of. He alone is my daddy, my Abba. And I I know that he's calling each of the listeners to stand up for him, to, to let him lead you into uncharted territory as leaders, as founders, as his spirit warriors in these difficult days. And through it all, to come into a personal, intimate relationship with the lover of your soul, to setting setting your path and your dreams higher than you've ever imagined. You are his chosen one. You are his beloved one. Let me close with some words of love that God shared with me for you and the listeners. It's from November 27. Draw close to me this day as I tell you about my love. Yes, you've heard it many times, but does that mean I no longer want to say it? Every moment you take a breath, I want to reaffirm my love for you. You are my precious child. I created you to look just the way you do. I love every imperfection on your body without hesitation. I formed you out of the dust of the earth. I watched as you drew in your first breath of life-giving air and how I smiled. I've watched you through the years, beside you through things you don't even want to remember, and beside you in times of great happiness. My love for you is the soul of my being, dear one. When you come to me, the beautiful sunrise of your unfolding faith is my joy, getting brighter and brighter each moment you stay in communion with me. Oh, beloved one, never doubt my love. It is fierce, it is powerful. And yet it is oh so tender. Arise and go through the day with me at your side. And when you pull your covers up around you at night, I'll watch over you tenderly as you sleep. I will never leave you, my love. Never. So that's my testimony. (laughs) Thank you much for your testimony. You know, hopefully we can talk in a few weeks. You'd mention the shroud. The Shroud of Tour, and I'd like to talk to you about that in a couple of weeks, but let me finish the book first, um, okay. if, if that's all right with you. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing your testimony to our audience. If somebody can, uh, Where does somebody get a copy of your book? At Meditations from Your Abba Father, you can find it on Amazon.com. 
Okay, thank you very much. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Oh, and also, uh, if they can also do it at elisloBianco.com. All right, thanks thank again. Thank you. All right, Bye-bye. take care. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.